0: or that in this service today heretofore and going forward that you would be glorified and that your people would be edified as we learn your word, study your word, love your word and live your word on a daily basis in Jesus name amen okay so Jesus we're going through this study of the life of Jesus and very important points. here's what it says in Luke 7:36 regarding this woman who crashed a party that Jesus was invited to it says here now one of the Pharisees was requesting I'm in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7 and uh, I think one of my granddaughters is going to put it up on the screen for us it says that while one of the Pharisees was requesting or my grandson uh, Mark was requesting him to dine with him and he entered the Pharisees house and reclined at the table by the way I sort of demonstrated this morning here on the floor got my pants dirty we need, to, we need to speak to the custodian uh, I demonstrated what this reclining at the table looked like and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner and when she learned that's a key word remember that we'll come back to it that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisees house she brought an alabaster vial of perfume this by the way was a white marble like stone vessel container varying in sizes that usually was filled with some sort of expensive or non-expensive fragrance or a solution or perfume or some type of oil that might have been scented it was typically valuable and typically a keepsake she had this and she brought it uh to this particular event um the bible says I'm, i'm going on in verse 38 of luke chapter 7 And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, I'd say she was perhaps bawling or weeping, crying profusely, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. By the way, don't confuse this event with Mary Of Bethany over in John 12. Different scenario, different location, different timeline. Don't confuse it also with Mary that was at the house of Simon the leper over in Mark chapter 14. Different account, different scenario, different geography. Okay, goes on to say in verse 39 Now, when the Pharisee, this is Simon the Pharisee, who had invited him, that is, invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, notice he didn't say it out loud he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him that she is a sinner and Jesus answered him and by the way I, I always was I, I was always uh, excited about this and amazed Jesus answered the man who didn't make a statement out loud tell me he ain't God I mean, Jesus is reading your mail and answering your questions before you can state them. He answered him, the Bible says. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. By the way, let me just say this right quick before I read you the little parable. Isn't it amazing that Simon, who is also a sinner, looks down on this woman. Who he regards as a sinner. Like what is up with that? (laughs) The hypocrisy is monumental here. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. That's all of us guys. No one's exempt. No one's given a pass. No one's given you know. Basically a place of preferential treatment. He may have been a rabbi. Or a Pharisee. But he was still a sinner in God's sight. But yet and still he condemns and judges this woman. And he doesn't even know her. At least he doesn't know her personally. Because these rabbis had very strict rules about. Hey we don't like commoners. We don't eat with commoners. We don't speak to women in public. They were very prejudicial. And this man was just uh, presumptuous in thinking that he knew this lady. I just thought that was a little sidebar that was important. So here's what he says. He said say it, teacher. And Jesus gives this amazing little parable. Just two verses. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him, two people that owed him money. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Uh, the King James Version lets us know that a denarii is a day's wages. And U.S. dollars, that's about $50. You know, in terms, in terms of the uh, money that we're talking about here. We're probably talking about $20 a day. So this was like a month's worth of wages. The other guy owed the man a year and a half. A year and eighteen months worth of wages, two different debts So imagine you know you owe somebody um, a month worth of wages, which is a lot of money, even that, right? You know, especially if you kind of make you know make the kind of money that Rod makes, that's probably a lot of money. So you come to Rod, you borrow a month's worth of wages from Rod, and then brother Cole goes and borrows a year and a half worth of money from Rod. And Rod being the nice guy that he is, he says both to Rick and Brother Cole, y'all don't owe me nothing. It's all good. That, that was essentially the, the, uh, the gist of, of the parable. And so Jesus said, Who, who's going to love Rod? Who's going to love the man more? I'm going to use Rod and, and since I've already added Rod and Rick and Brother Cole into this equation, I'm going to use your names. Who would love him more? And Simon the Pharisee, <laughs> I love his answer, guys. You've got you to gotta read this. You can't make this stuff up. He says here in verse 43, Simon answered and says, I suppose, see, I'm just stopping right there. What do you mean? This supposition, I suppose, I mean, if you owe somebody 10 times more than, you know, whatever you make a month, if you make $500 a month and you, that's $5,000, you owe somebody $5,000 and they say, Hey, you're good. You don't owe it anymore. You're gonna be really happy. You may not love them, but you're gonna certainly be happy. You're not gonna, well, I suppose I'm happy. <laughs> $5,000 is $5,000, right? That was a lot of money then, it's a lot of money now. So Jesus said, who, who's gonna love uh, the uh, debtor, the, uh, the money lender more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose, which is a really weak and lame answer, the one who, gave, who forgave more. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. I'm in verse 42 of Luke chapter 7. So here's how this concludes as I come down towards the finish line of this message. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. I love the juxtaposition here. To watch this. He's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. So he's doing one of these numbers. but this one, But Simon. This woman has come. You, you see what you see. What's going on here? He's not even. He's not even looking. He's not addressing Simon directly. And I think this is an important point. You guys may say, "Well, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm getting hung up in the details." No, I'm not in the weeds. Just because the weeds are there, I think this is an important point. He's looking at the woman. I think that shows respect. It shows standing. He's honoring her. He's looking at her so that she can feel the weight of what he's saying. I want you ma'am, I want you to understand how thankful and how grateful I am and I recognize what you did. He didn't, he didn't appreciate it, but I recognize what you did. You know, I, I put in my notes. I put in my notes that sometimes, sometimes when we forgive people, we do it with such angst that it's almost like we never forgave them. It's almost like we. I, I looked at the language. I looked at the language here, and I was just kind of blown away by the words that the Lord chose to use. He said that the the, the guy that that owed the money, the money lender. The Bible says that he and I'm in verse 42, the Bible says he graciously forgave them both. He, he graciously forgave them both. He didn't just say, you know, Rod didn't just look at Rick and brother Cole and say, all right, obviously y'all can't come up with my money. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I ain't feeling this, but okay, forget it. Just, don't just go just God I don't want to see y'all no more oh. right he didn't do that <laughs> the, that the rod say I wouldn't even have done that no. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the Bible says that he graciously forgave and you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of when when the Lord inspired Paul to write the love chapter in first Corinthians uh, when first Corinthians chapter 12 actually the love chapter is 13 and he says in verse 5 he says here's what love does Love maintains no record of being wronged. Isn't that beautiful? Love keeps Some translations say that love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13 5. In other words, he's not going to hold this against me. When the Lord forgives us, and when we forgive each other, it should be a clean break. Boom. I accept your apology, or I forgive you of the debt, or I forgive you of the offense. And that's over. That's it. I'm not going to go and tell Reg about it or Mark about it. It's not going to come up again in a separate conversation. I'm not going to throw it in your face every time we see each other and constantly remind you of the ill that you committed toward me. It's over. That's gracious forgiveness. That's how we should be. We shouldn't hold stuff over people like, I got you now. You will always be in my debt and I can call on a marker, call this marker in whatever I want. No, that's not what we should do, right? When we forgive, we should let it go. And the person gets a clean slate, the person gets a new bill of hell, the person is totally absolved of all wrongdoing, Sister Annie, it's over. Whatever you did to me, however hurt, hurt I, whatever hurt I have, however, however much you offended me, it's over. I'm over it I forgive you and I don't hold it against you and I don't treat you differently I I, this this story has so many different facets I I won't ever get to cover all of them but I'm gonna just I'm gonna just end it with this what Jesus said he said do you see this woman I'm looking at my keyboard uh, because I don't want to look at anybody thinking that I would equate you to this woman He says, do you see this woman? He's talking to Simon. He says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. I discussed this in Sunday school, what the customs were in Palestine during the, in the East, during the first century, and even to this day, to this day, to some extent. He said, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45 says, you gave me no kiss. By the way, that's still a custom to this day. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46 says, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. Oh boy, that's just, that's just, this, this lady, by the way, Luke writes about the women that Jesus encountered more than anyone. And I love how he, I love how he singles out women and personifies personifies women. I love how he esteems and exalts women in these scriptures, and he gives us these insights that we don't get necessarily in some of the other synoptics, and he just seems to profile these special women that comes into Jesus' life and talks about how greatly they've been saved and what God has done for them, amen? I, 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 I just love the fact that when we see these women mentioned, we see Jesus doing a miracle in their life that's unparalleled. I'm almost done. Check, Stay with me for a few more seconds. He said, for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many. Jesus never denied that she wasn't a sinner. What he is denying and what he is scolding Simon about is that she is a sinner. And guess what, dude? So are you. It should teach us humility. It should teach us to be compassionate toward others. It should teach us empathy and sympathy toward others. That we shouldn't look down our nose and self-righteousness toward people and treat them like they're the scum of the earth. Because we too, I love what First Corinthians says. If you, and, I, and I won't, I won't, I won't make you go to it. But in First Corinthians six, Paul gives this list of all these horrible sins. He said, "In which you once were." Read 1 Corinthians 6. He lists all these horrible things. He says and by the way you were that <laughs> I love that It doesn't give any of us off. Let's let any of us off the hook None of us can act all holier than thou and look down our nose and think that we are God's gift of righteousness because that was us and so but for the grace of God we would be that way again Here's here's the three walking points. Here's what I want you to remember. Point number one. If you don't take notes on anything else. Just take notes on these three quick things. Number one. They both were sinners that needed salvation that day. The difference was that Simon was blind to his. All he could see was the woman's sin. Shame on him. Reminds me of Matthew 7. When Jesus says. Don't try to take the speck out of someone else's eye. When you have a telephone pole log in your own. You know, leave, leave that alone. He didn't say that she was without sin. She just said that his sins should have been... Jesus said his sin, Simon's sins should have been addressed as well. So, the moral of that story is, let's not be tone deaf to our own problems. Our own shortcomings, right? Our own, our own challenges. We should be very sympathetic toward others and, and very compassionate as we work on ourselves and as we are also our brother's keepers as we help our brother, we who are strong. The second thing I want you to take away from this message is leave your past in the past and leave others' past in the past. Don't dredge up somebody else's background, their skeletons, every time you talk about them or refer to them. Don't, don't make people feel bad about who they used to be. We're new. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says that, that. If you are in. He says. Let him who is in Christ Jesus. Or if you are in. Actually it says in some translations. If you are in Christ Jesus. If a man be in Christ. He is a new creation. By the way that word man stands for mankind. If anyone. Some translations will say. If anyone is in Christ. I'm, I'm quoting 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're new. You can't keep dragging my past in front of me and making me feel bad. You can't keep bringing me down or bringing yourself down. Forgiving yourself is a problem. You know, it's in Revelation chapter 12, I think it's like verse 11, it says that the devil is one who accuses the brethren. And the Bible says that he accuses us before the Father day and night. He's constantly dragging us down, constantly trying to get us to think about how bad we are. Um, I, I made a note, Revelation 12, 10 is where that's at. But 1 John 1, 9 should give us this liberty. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. I also love what Psalm said in 103. He says that he does, he, as, he removes our transgressions from us. The Bible goes on to say, as far as the east is from the west, so great is his steadfast love toward us. He goes on to say that the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him and says, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we're just dust. Chuck Smith used to say that we're just puffed up dust. By the way, check out his movie. We went to see it Friday. The Jesus Revolution off the chain. Loved it. Especially those of you that can remember the turmoil and the hippies of the 60s and the Jesus freak and the Jesus people. You will love Jesus Revolution. The story of Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith played by one of my favorite characters, Kelsey Grammer. Great movie. I recommend it. I recommend you check out the Jesus Revolution. But anyway, my last point. My last point. This this is this is a fun point. I love this. I put in my notes. I said, number one, don't judge others. That's point number one. Don't don't you know have this holier than thou attitude like Simon the Pharisee. Number two, leave your past in the in the past. And number three, my last point, is that all those people that came to Simon the Pharisee's house that day. They came for a soiree. They came for a house party. They came for a banquet. But the woman, she came for church. You say, well, Pastor, well, how do you know she came for church? Because I, I looked up this word that, that's kind of hidden there in verse 37. And the word is, when she learned. Look, Luke seven thirty-seven says, And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned. I looked up that word, Rod, learned. And the word learn there, in that particular context, suggests that there was, the the Greek word is epigenosis. And if you've heard me talk about the word know in the Greek, K-N-O-W, it means gnosis and oida. There There is knowledge that is gained intuitively. There is knowledge that is gained experientially. This woman worked, I believe, I believe from the Greek grammar that she did some homework. And when she came to this party, she didn't come there to party. She came there to go to church. She came there to worship the Lord. She came there with a plan. You say, Pastor well, how do you know that? Because as a rule, women didn't walk around with alabaster boxes all the time. We saw in 12, in Luke 12, John 12, that Judas made the comment that all of this money could have been you know, uh, sold to feed the poor and that this alabaster box was worth a year's wages. This was a valuable thing. Women didn't walk around with their life savings in their hands. I believe the Bible says she learned epigenesis. She gathered information. It means that she inquired, she did research, she did preparation and intelligence and reconnaissance, and she found out that Jesus was at Simon the Pharisee's house. I believe, I can't prove it, I believe she went home got the most valuable thing in her life physically which was her alabaster box and came back to came to the party with a plan in mind I'm giving my best to his highness I'm giving my best to Jesus, I am going to lay my best, my hair, my tears, my wealth, my treasure, my time, my talent. I'm laying it all at the feet of Jesus and I'm leaving it there. She came to go to church. They came to party and get some free food. But she came to go to church. She was not on the guest list. She was not a VIP. She wasn't even invited. She crashed the party. That took courage. That took determination. She just walked in off the street with her reputation. With her reputation. She didn't care. She would not be denied an audience with Jesus. She wouldn't be denied. She crashed in there uninvited, unexpected, unwelcomed, unwanted and cried on Jesus' feet so that she had enough water to wash his feet. Kind of reminds me of that sermon you preached, Rod, not too long ago about the blind man that said, I must see Jesus. And he kept crying out, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And remember, remember, remember the account? They said, shh, be quiet, be quiet. I read the passage this week, Rod. The Bible says that the blind man shout even louder, Jesus, son of David. So you ain't shutting me up. If Jesus is in, if he is in earshot, if he is, if, if, if Jesus can hear me, got it, I'm gonna be heard today. You not denying me. And, and Rod knows the story. Jesus said, what do you want? The man said, I wanna see. I want to see, Lord. There is no ambiguity about my request. I don't want riches. I don't want wealth. I ain't asking for a spouse. I ain't asking for a house. All I need from you, Lord, is my sight. I once was blind, but now I see. Lord, hallelujah. We thank you for your word. May it change our lives. May it give us instruction. And may it give us inspiration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Picard, come on up, babe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you.